0: your Bibles, uh, Mark chapter number 11, Mark chapter 11, should be a familiar passage, uh, but I'll tell you as I was um, researching this this week, I found a lot more than that that I really didn't know was there, so hopefully I can uh, give that, some of that snippet to you, Um, Mark 11, Mark 11, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for um, just who you are. Lord, thank you for the the little um, glimpse of of love that we just saw in that video. That um, to to realize, um, especially as we come into this house and gather together as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we really are of of one spirit and of one nature. Uh, we may we may all have different parents we may have different backgrounds uh we may have different um we will we all look different but um we've all said yes to you and therefore we have one parent one father and we are of one spirit and Lord um help us to remember that and to remember that we are twins with um so many brothers and sisters. And Lord, I ask that you would open your word to us today. Teach us. Help us to um, understand you more. And Lord, help us to live more like you. Lord, use me. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, you know what I I listen to a lot of music, yeah. You we know, praise and worship music during the week as I'm praying and as I am um, studying. And there's a um, very regularly uh, because it's praise and worship music. I get a a uh, movie preview from a a uh, PureFlix film called What If, and Kevin Sorbo is uh, if you if you know who that is. Um, he's the main character. And excuse me, I'm, my mic is getting pulled hither and thither. He, um, there's there's a a clip in the movie. Um, he's a high rent, a high, a powerful um, corporate exec, and guy says, um, "You're not Julius Caesar." Caesar, and he says, "No, I'm not." He didn't think big enough. You know, I think sometimes the Lord uses circumstances in Scripture to try to get us to think bigger. Not like Ju- Julius Caesar necessarily. <laughs> But what he does is he'll take a contrast and he'll try to use that contrast to get us to think differently. For example, we're not going to study this part this, this morning, but if you remember the, the story of the, um, of the unrighteous judge and you have the widow that goes to the judge and she's continually saying, "Oh, give me justice, give me justice. And he's an unrighteous judge and finally gives her justice. But what we really should realize is that the judge and father that we have is a good father. And if an unrighteous judge is going to do that, then a good father will do so much better than than what that unrighteous judge ever would. But there's that contrast that Jesus introduces to try to get us to think differently, and he introduces it intentionally. And that's what we're going to see this morning as, we're, as we look at this passage um, you know, one thing that we talk about in, in theology a lot is the difference between the little A author and the big A author. The little A author, in this instance, is Mark, okay? Mark uh, was a uh, really a close to Peter, disciple of Peter, John Mark, uh, not one of the original disciples of the, of Jesus, not one of the original 12. So he's the little A author, but the big A author we know is God himself. And God uh in, in a way that only he can do will weave a passage together that is absolutely incredible. So if you look in, in Mark eleven and I'm gonna let you in know a little bit of me too here. Um I I love to see all the little nuances and I get so excited about all the little things and how it all I'm gonna try not to give you all of that this morning. Because as I've been told, Ryan, that really thrills you. It doesn't thrill everybody. <laughs> so I'm going to try to give you just enough to show you that there's this really cool thing that God is doing through this, but then go on from there. Um, so if ever I just get totally caught up and so excited about something, just indulge me for a little bit, because okay, that's me, You know, I'll try to get back to kind of where everybody else is. But I like to give everybody a little bit of, uh, of really deep um, things and fun stuff, too, like um, you know what the Greek word is, and and how it's uh, really influential. So this passage here, and I'm not going to read it to you. Uh, it actually starts in Mark 11 with the triumphal entry. Uh, you know the you know about the triumphal entry Jesus. In this passage here, um, it says that he sends the disciples to go get a a donkey who had, that hadn't been sat on before, had never been ridden, and he goes into Jerusalem. Okay, we're going to look. I'll explain that a little bit more later. It goes all the way down through uh, chapter 12 where um, uh, Jesus um, talks to them about the, where is it? I'm sorry, verse 12, 12. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it's marvelous in our eyes. That, that passage there, that cornerstone, quotation from the old testament is out of psalm 118 the very psalm that they are quoting in the triumphal entry blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and what what jesus is doing what the big a author of this passage is doing is using this kind of as bookends we we, in, in, we call that in um uh literary terms an inclusio it's a, it's a bookended um passage and what Jesus has done here and, and through Mark um, has woven in a couple of different stories in which they are basically saying the same thing but two different ways. And so I'm going to try to show you that this morning and then try to apply that to our own lives, okay? So as we go through, I, I started talking. It, it starts with the uh, triumphal entry of Jesus, right? They, remember, he, he, they, he's in Bethany, um, more than likely, we don't know, we're not told this, but very possibly he's staying at the home of Lazarus because that's where, that's where um, Lazarus and his sisters are. He goes He goes to Jerusalem. Uh, remember, this is during uh, the Passover, so Jerusalem is bustling with people. There's probably not a place to stay. That's one reason he's staying outside of town. It's about two miles, um, more than likely. So he, he goes and he gets a, a colt, a foal of a donkey, and rides into Jerusalem. Everybody starts um, waving the palm branches. They're they're putting uh, branches in the road. They're declaring him the king. Uh, This is the son of David. This is the king. And they um, are proclaiming this all the way down as he's riding into Jerusalem. Then you find, uh, as, as I said, the Psalm 118, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. That's verse 9 and 10. Then it says in verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. Okay, so he's gone from Bethany into Jerusalem, into the temple, right? The first time he's going down that road, people are proclaiming him the king. He gets to the temple. And it says, after looking around at everything, he left. He left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. Now That's a weird thing to stick in there. Why would they... He he gets there and like, yeah, still here, <laughs> and he goes back home. Why would why would he why would Jesus why would God include that in here? Next day, he comes with the disciples. It says when when they left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps I'm sorry, verse thirteen here. See if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves it was not the season for figs. So he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. So then you have this passage um, that he goes to the temple once again. So this is the second time, right? The day before, he gets proclaimed the son of David. You know, Hosanna in the highest. He goes in, goes to the temple, looks around, then leaves. Next day he comes back fig tree it's all on leaf he says, like, hey i'm hungry he looks for figs no figs it's not the time for figs they know any fruit from you ever again now that seems kind of harsh doesn't it it's not the time for figs and jesus gets upset and tells the tree to go and die and then he goes into jerusalem once again gets goes to the temple He entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. You know this story, right? And it says, my house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you've made it a robber's den. It's an interesting passage out of Isaiah. Um, What it's talking about, notice it says a house of prayer for all the nations. Okay? Everybody's supposed to stream into the house. It's not just for you. What are you doing, people? Okay? Get that? If you look in the passage in Isaiah, uh, which is if I could find my notes here really quickly, um, Isaiah 56, that's what it's talking about. It it's supposed to be a house for everyone. It's from, from all, for all the nations to come into. But you know you know the story. If you're learning to preach, don't do what I'm doing today. Okay, don't assume everybody knows the stories. I'm going to assume it of you guys, okay? Because <laughs> we got a lot to cover. Sorry. Um, then when evening came, they would go back out of the city. Okay, so second time. Third time. And as they were passing in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. This is verse 20, 21. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. So then he goes back into the temple and he has this question of, of authority. Why, why are you doing this, Lord? How, what authority are you doing? By, by what authority are you doing this? And he he asked the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, well, by what authority did John preach? And they said, well, um, let's see. If we say by man's authority, then we're going to get stoned because the people think he's a prophet. But if we say... It's by God's authority, then he's going to ask us, then why didn't you listen to him? So let's not say anything. We don't know. And Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you either. And then Jesus gives this parable of the vine growers. And in this parable, um, there's some uh, uh, vineyards rented out to some people. They build a tower. um, Harvest time. Uh, the, the owner of the vineyard, he sends a, sends a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard, but they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Okay, that happens again. Some they kill, some they persecute. Uh, he had one more to send, a beloved son. He sent him last of all to them, saying, They will respect my son. But the vine growers said to one another, This is, their, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He'll come and destroy the vine growers and will give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? Again, this is Psalm 118. This is what they started off with saying when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. Okay, so there, he's, God is bookending these passages together. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. this came about from the Lord, and it's marvelous in our eyes okay so that's that's the passage in a nutshell. now, let me try to explain the passage a little bit and then we're going to go in a little bit deeper into the fig tree so what what you have is these these um this time Jesus is going. Into the temple the first time, triumphal entry. Okay? And um, you've got Jesus being accepted and not really accepted. And you've got the fig tree in the middle. Okay, so let me do it from this side. Triumphal entry. Part of the fig tree, cleansing of the temple. Okay? Rest of the fig tree. And then where Jesus goes in and he uh, gets questioned on his authority and basically declares a curse over Jerusalem it says the vi- the vine growers are going to, uh, that didn't re- accept the son and kills the son they're going to come to a, a ruinous end okay so the whole story is one and the same story but what what they've done is it's an instance and then a an action parable with the with the fig tree and then when Jesus actually gives a curse over jerusalem okay do you see that i hope so all right so he comes in to the temple the first time what does he do he looks around i believe he does this because he's going to, he that he's going to look around at the fig tree the next day what is he looking for he's looking for fruit might say he's looking for faith See, he'd, he'd gone in as the, the anointed king. But when he gets to the temple, he looks around, and he doesn't find the fruit of what they have been um, announcing. If they really were wanting to crown him the king, they, they would have accepted him with the elders of the city. They would have said, okay, hey, you know what? You are, you are the one who God has sent. You're the Messiah. We know that really that's not what they wanted. And the kingdom that Jesus was going to set up was not the kingdom that they wanted. They wanted somebody to come in and and kick out the Romans. God wanted someone to go in and, and die so that we could have a relationship with him. Right? All they wanted was a political king and God wanted someone who would be king over our hearts and king over the world. Okay, so Jesus, I believe what happened is with the triumphal entry, there was lots of leaves. know what I'm saying? Lots of leaves on the tree. Boy, it looked good. He gets to the temple. He looks around. Not so much fruit. The next day he goes, and he, what's he do? He sees the leaves on the tree. Look good. But it was not the season for fruit. It was not the season for figs. Why was it not the season? Like I said from the the previous day, he goes in to the temple. It wasn't the right time for him to be king yet. Okay, He had to die first. And then he didn't want to sit on a throne in Jerusalem. He wanted to sit on David's throne in heaven. Got it? So he goes to the fig tree, looks around, no fruit. And then he says... Nobody will ever eat fruit from you again. He goes into the temple again, and uh, we we call it the cleansing of the temple. He really didn't cleanse it so much as he he um, he really upended what they were doing. Okay, and it, it we think of it as a major thing. It probably wasn't as big as what we think of it as because the temple was a huge complex. So he was probably in one small part where he was um upending tables now i will say it, it it threw everybody in a tizzy okay i'm not saying it was small it was something that has not had it really wasn't done he was stopping merchandisers from from going through um really it was look you shouldn't be doing this here because a lot of it was necessary commerce okay you should don't be doing this here this is something that needs to be done out there you're really causing a mess in god's house this is a holy place and treated as holy is what he did but it's all this action parable okay then the next day they come through and peter looks at this tree and says it's dead it's dead and jesus looks over i i believe okay i'm reading into this a little bit and he says yeah why why do you why do you wonder at that um Uh, verse verse 22, 11, 22, Jesus answers saying to them, have faith in God. By the way, there's a, um, uh, this is a little bit different wording and I think people make a little bit more of it uh, than what really should be. It's, um, for you kids in Greek, it's a a genitive, uh, which can be a possessive. Some people say it's have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. Most people will translate it and say it's, have faith in God, which is uh, definitely a, a good translation of that. Um, I'll explain that a little bit more, but I wanted to tell you that um, it's really saying the same thing. If you say have faith in God or have God's kind of faith, have the faith of God there. And I'll explain a little bit more of that in a second. Um, he, I believe Jesus kind of points back. He says, um, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. There's not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen. It'll be granted to him. Um, it's an interesting, there's an actual historical instance uh, with Herod. Um, Herod wanted to uh, build up a, a citadel outside of Jerusalem. And so he actually moved a, one of the hills. And uh Josephus actually makes note of it and I've heard that you can actually see where that other hill was so he he, he built up a hill and uh they put a like a, a citadel on top of it. It's called Herodot um I've got it written down. Herodotus if I'm pronouncing that pronouncing that right. Uh Herodi Herodion. Um so he, he actually you know he, Jesus kind of, I, I don't know whether he saw that or not. It's just interesting. But he could have. He could have actually seen, you know what? See this mountain back here? Herod moved it. But I'm telling you, this other mountain, Mount Zion, you can, if you speak to this mountain, it'll be uprooted and cast into the sea. I i don't think we're supposed to be going around and, and moving mountains that way. But, it's really interesting in Revelation, you actually see that happen. It's in Revelation 8, verse 8. It says, The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the, of the sea became blood. And really, what, what you see is this mountain of the house of Israel. Mountains to speak of kingdoms and the Mount Zion, right? So they're actually looking up at a hill. I believe, I don't know this, but I could just see Jesus saying, speak to this mountain and you can see it uprooted and cast into the sea. And then what you have after that, like I said, it ends where Jesus gives this parable and it says that the, the Pharisees, they knew that, that he had spoken it against them, where he says that they killed the son and that that the vine grower will send his armies and destroy that place. They will, again, give it to someone else. They'll, they'll kick out the, the renters and give it to somebody else, which is exactly what Jesus had said. You've made it... Um, uh, This house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And he comes through and says, look, I'm going to give it to somebody else. I'm going to kick you guys out. I'm going to throw the mountain into the sea, and I'm going to give it to the nations. Right? So that's in a a big nutshell. Okay? But here's what I believe that he's doing, why he's... he's, um, weaving this through is that i want he wants us to think bigger he wants us to believe for bigger the disciples you know he used a fig tree and i think the disciples were scratching their heads going wow he just cursed he, he cursed the fig tree and it died but that was small The big thing was, I want you to move the mountain. So are there fig trees that we marvel at? When God wants us to be to move mountains instead? So how do we have the mountain moving faith? Instead of just marveling at fig trees, which I don't know about you, but I'd marvel at, in fact, um, uh, John Alley tells a story of, I, th- I believe it was somebody on staff, they had a, a, I believe it was actually a fig tree that was uh, encroaching where their house was, and you know, that's not good on a house, it can upend your foundation, and it'll cause all sorts of problems, and the guy said, well, I know how to handle this, and he cursed and the thing died. <laughs> I'm not sure what that, that's the meaning of the passage either, but you know, it, it happens, So, but how do we have this mountain-moving faith? First of all, um, it says that we need to have faith in God, or have the faith of God. You know, the the faith group came in, um, you know, in the really towards the end of the 70s, and they did late 60s, 70s, even Or Roberts going back earlier than that. Um, They did a really, really great thing in that Christianity at that time was kind of, you know, they, they served a, a a God who had a baseball bat and just waiting to kind of, if you got out of line, then he was going to thump you over the head. And Oral Roberts came along and said, no, we serve a good God and you need to understand he's a good God and he wants to bless you and he wants to prosper you and he wants you to be in health and he wants you to live and he wants you to he he's, he's a father who loves his kids, and we, sir, we we have a bad devil that is against us. Okay, God is not bad; God is good. The devil is not good; he is bad, and that's kind of one of Oral Roberts's you know his big um, things. And the faith group came along and, and re re kind of packaged that and emphasized that, so that we he, they said, look, we have the promises of Scripture, and we do one thing we need to make sure is not pull the cart in into the other side of the ditch. Okay? Which can be. Can, you can bring that cart into that to the other side of the ditch and say, you can have faith for whatever you want to have faith for and if you have enough faith, you're going to get it. And that's, this passage is not saying that. What it's saying is, you need to have the faith for what God is believing for. For example, I can't, I can't look at a space on my wall and say, you know, the Mona Lisa will look really good there. I'm just gonna believe that God's gonna help me steal the Mona Lisa. And if I have enough faith, I will I will get the cat burglar suit and I'll get the night goggles, and you know, God's gonna somehow give me the schematics to all of the uh burglar systems, you know, in the Louvre, and, and He's gonna He's gonna enable me to get through all the security that's ridiculous, right? Why? God? That's stealing, and God's not going to give you uh, the ability to steal just by having faith for it. You have to believe for what God is believing for. You're, you're aligning yourself with the will of God. That's what that is saying. John picks this up in his in his um, letter in 1 John. If you pray in Jesus' name, for what is in God's will, you're going to get it. Okay? So have faith in God. Have have the faith of God. Believe for what he's believing for. A lot of that comes with relationship. I'll tell you, I know what Ruth likes. I know what rubs her the wrong way. I can can walk in... um, the house from being gone all day and say what's wrong or oh you've had a good day right anybody else be able to do that with their 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 honey okay why because i know her i've spent every virtually every day for the last 22 years with this lady and i know i know her moods i know what makes her upset i know what she likes i know what she doesn't like do you know god that well that you know his will, and you can say, oh yes, this is his will. I'm going to believe for that, or no, that isn't his will. I can't believe for that. I know he wants this. I know he doesn't want that. This makes him happy. This makes him upset. How well do you know him? It's in that relationship that we can really know and understand his will, and that should affect our faith. Because when we know what he wants, then we can believe in the same manner and act in it accordingly. Right? Do, we, uh, do you know the people that, that you can say, look, God wants them healed? God wants us to be saved. God wants this, this area of town to, to prosper or God wants this place out of business or God wants this, he wants something else to come in here. Do you know that so you can start believing for it? And that's first things first. You have to know him and you have to know his will so you can begin to align your faith and your belief with what he is believing for. Secondly, I love this. It says um, when when he cursed the fig tree. Says this is verse thirteen. It says seeing it at a distance in a leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing on for leaves, for it's not the season. He said, "May." May no one ever eat fruit from you again. His disciples were listening. And then he just walked on. Now, if it were me, would you make sure the door's open, please? If I were doing this, this is what I would do. If if it were the fig tree, I'd go up to the fig tree and all 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 of a sudden, I'd start praying about it. I'd say, Lord, is this your will? Right? And then I'd lay hands on it and I'd pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for this fig tree. I think you want me to do this for the disciples. For their sake, Lord, would you please make this thing die? And then I'd Watch. i start checking the leaves. Anything wilting? Hey, uh, uh, Ruth, would would you you come help me look and see if you see anything wilting on this thing yet? And then I'd get really religious. And I'd say, well, maybe what God wants to do is send a 100 woodpeckers (laughs) to just take it out. Or maybe, maybe like, you know, 10 beavers would come and just gnaw the thing down. And I'd start looking around and then... I'm telling you, after about 15 or 20 minutes, after looking and checking everything and asking everybody else to look, I go, well, maybe it wasn't God's will. And I'd leave. Jesus, he speaks to it and just walks on. You see the difference? Number one, he didn't pray over it. And if you look how Jesus, um, when he ministered to people all, all through the gospel, now he prayed. I'm not saying he didn't pray. He did pray. And there were times that he prayed before ministering to someone. Remember Lazarus? Lord, I'm getting on my knees and asking you, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me, but so that everybody else knows that you're doing this, I'm saying it. Right? And then what does he do? He gets up, has him roll the stone away and, and commands Lazarus, come out. You know, it might be that we need to change how we pray. I'm talking to me here because I do the same thing. I'm telling, I, I told you exactly how I would act. And that's not what Jesus did, Right? I need. I need to act how Jesus did. We may need to change how we pray. Maybe if we pray beforehand and we stop praying for people, we just start speaking over them. And when we speak over them, we walk on. There's inter- there's something interesting that you you see here. And um, it's really re-emphasized. And I was kind of debating what to call it. I've, I've whether a, a prophetic parenthesis or a, a prophetic pause, or maybe it's just a prophetic delay. But you see this so much in Scripture um, all the time, where there's something that happens, but it doesn't happen exactly immediately. Jesus. Speaks to the tree. And his what he does is it happens at the roots. And you may not see it. Until the next day. Did it happen when he said it? Yeah. But in the natural you may not see it immediately. This is exactly what happens also. You know, in the next chapter, when Jesus um, addresses the uh, parable to Jerusalem and to the Sadducees, the Pharisees there. He says, God's going to come in. And he's he's going to upend everything. He's going to give it to some vine vine uh, dressers that um, he wants to give it to because you all are terrible, okay, in a nutshell. Did that happen immediately? Uh-uh. It happened 40 years later. You also see that um, Mark thirteen, Luke twenty one, Matthew twenty four, okay, where where he pronounces those woes over Jerusalem, and it didn't happen immediately. And you see in other parts of the New Testament that they're you know Peter's saying you know that's why he says a thousand years is like a day and a day a thousand years because they're going now. Jesus said this. Where is it? Was it was it absolute when he said it? Yes. Did it happen immediately? No, but it's like the fig tree. The fig tree was a symbol. The fig tree was a the small aspect. Did it? Did they see it immediately? No. Did it happen immediately? Yes. It was the next day. When we pray and we declare these things, we line our faith with God. And, and it's interesting the the way that it's, it's written in there. It's a um, Um, Let's see if I get the right verse here. In verse 24, Therefore I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. Okay? Okay? Believe what you have that you have received it it's a um uh, it's in the imperfect it's in the past deal. You know, what they what they could do in the in the language there is sometimes they would put something in a past tense, okay whether that's the imperfect or a past tense idea to emphasize that it was so sure that the future event was going to happen it was absolutely so certain, I'm going to make it, I'm going to even put the, the tense of the, the verb in the past. Okay, it was like a, it's in such certainty. So it's like, I, I'm saying, I I had a 50th birthday. I'm so sure I'm going to have a 50th birthday someday, that I'm going to, I'm going to say I had it already. Okay? That's, that's that's the emphasis. If if when if you believe it and, and ask for it, it will absolutely certain as anything else. It's going to happen, but maybe not immediately. And then the last thing. and I want to try to. Um, Bring this home. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against verse 25. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. You know, it's really, really important that we are forgiving people. You know It even says um, that God won't hear us if we don't forgive. If we want our prayers answered, we have to To walk in forgiveness we have to walk in forgiveness not holding anything against anybody says if if we don't forgive others our father in heaven won't won't forgive us and that's heavy you think god god will forgive any anything pretty much but will he hear you when you ask for forgiveness and look I'm going to be honest, I don't exactly know how to make out, make this out because you always think, God's, God's always merciful. Yes, he is. He's always gracious. Yes, he is. But this is what it says. If you aren't walking in forgiveness, he's not going to hear you. And I'm wondering if this is one reason that a lot of prayers aren't answered. Now, part of this, I'll... Part of this is because of the nature of this, this prophecy and this, this um, action parable. Because he also says that um, in the manner that you judge, you will be judged. Right? And Jesus is about to pronounce, he pronounced judgment on the fig tree. He was about to pronounce judgment on Israel. Right? So he says, make sure you get yourselves right first. And stay right, because if you if you're in if you're putting your, your if you're going before God and saying, all right, it's time for judgment to happen. It's going to come on you first. Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. So make sure you're right. But even when it gets down to a personal level, if we don't walk in forgiveness. God won't walk in forgiveness with us. So, put that out to you all. Let's check our hearts. Make sure that we are um, forgiving others. A lot of times, we even need to forgive ourselves. Sometimes, we sometimes the hardest person to forgive is us. Sometimes, I found people um, feel like God betrayed them. We know that God is God has never done anything wrong, but oftentimes we need to even forgive the Lord and to say, Okay, Lord, I'm gonna release that to you. Let me encourage you find forgiveness. Walk in the forgiveness. It'll make things so much better, so much easier in everything everything in your life, in the way we get prayers answered. Let me Try to take it one step further here. What Jesus was wanting to do, to get back to what I initially started with, Jesus was taking this action parable with a fig tree. It was a small thing. A tree died. And what he was wanting to do is to expand the disciples' thought. He wanted to get them to think bigger. Basically, said if you—he he didn't say this, but it, it was almost like he said, "Okay, if you can't do this with a fig tree, how is it that you're going to do what I'm telling you to do with the mountain? If you can't believe for a fig tree, how can you believe for the mountain? If you're going to marvel at this little bitty thing, how is it you're not—you're not, you're, you're not going to marvel when?" I uproot this mountain and toss it into the sea. We've been encouraging to pray big prayers. But I want us to check our faith. What are we believing for? We can believe for the small. And I believe that God would give it to us. We can say, look, you know, let's let's believe that every seat in here will be filled. We can do that. But I think God is asking us to believe for so much more. It's kind of here's your fig tree. Let's believe that a few people are going to be well, and that some people are going to come uh, to know Jesus, and we're going to have a few ministries, and we can have a li- We can we can have a, a really nice time. And it could be just a, a little bit bigger, and we can believe for that. But is God asking us to believe for so much more? And I believe he is. We believe for the fig tree. We believe for the whole mountain. What if the mountain's willomantic and the Wyndham area? Can we believe that big? Can we believe to, to the extent to say, you know what, everything's changing. If we're all going to get together, we'll have to do it in the, in the basketball arena up at Yukon. And you go, wow, now that's That's believing yeah but how bigs our God? this you know, we can believe for these chairs we can believe that we're going to have to push out this wall and have you know just just to barely fit everybody. We can believe for the fig tree or we can actually say okay, back to what what is God believing for? what does he want? I think he wants this whole area changed. He says, he says, I I I don't want anyone to perish. Can we believe for that? Can we believe for the Willamantic to be totally changed and transformed by the gospel? Can we believe that this downtown is going is going to be a place of of not just commerce and not just Blessing, but but filled with with businesses that are are going to be God honoring and and are going to um, be places like uh, uh, David and Mark Green, you know, who are Christian businessmen who just you know, and and uh, Chick Fil A and and places that just go, you know what, I'm just going to give my money away because God's blessed me. Can we believe that? That not well, not only will people come to know Jesus and Willamantic, but that God will send people here to have great um, great business and great commerce and and um, academics. You know, professors that are God honoring and God loving and and will absolutely flip these these universities on end. And will be at the top of their field. But at at the same time, we'll say, you know what. God gives us the wisdom. So let's have mountain moving faith. We can believe for the fig tree, we can scratch our heads at a fig tree. But I believe what God really wants is for us to look at the fig tree and say, well, that was just, that was just a symbol. What God really wants is the mountain. What He really wants is all of Israel, if you will, the whole mountain of Jerusalem, the whole mountain. Let's believe for that. Now believe that as we do, it may not be I almost guarantee it won't be immediate. But when we have the faith, we pray the prayers, we declare it over them over this area, and we walk on God's going to do it amen Great. let's pray and as we do i'm going to I'm going to do this I was asking the Lord how to do this earlier and um I want to pray over some of the ones that I know are, are still not feeling well um Uh, And I'm just, I'm going to try to put this into practice for myself. So if you'll agree with me, I'm not going to pray for them. I'm just going to declare over them. Okay? And we'll just declare over them and walk on and believe that God will take care of the rest. Okay? So, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we would like this faith. the faith to know what you want and just to declare it, to walk on, to always walk in forgiveness and see your wonders. Lord, forgive us for not believing enough. Forgive us for not believing big enough, Lord. For every person that is connected to us in some, in to this church family, or I'm not going to start naming names because I don't know who all wants to know or wants everybody to be prayed for publicly, but I'm just going to pray that those who are connected to this church in any way or family members of that are not feeling well either by accident, injury, sickness, virus, whatever it may be, in the name of Jesus, I declare them to be healed and to be well from whatever it is that's ailing them now. Ask, Lord, that you would do it immediately. Lord, I speak a blessing over each person here and watching at home. Lord, I pray for your protection even as we're coming up with um, the snowstorm, that you'll keep everybody well and healthy, that you'll protect them and keep them warm and safe, that you'll um, provide every need, that, um, that all of ours would be impervious to any sort of sickness, that no sickness can come anywhere near our homes, and that you will Um, go before us and that you'd be our rear guard. Lord, I ask that you would send your angels to minister to each person. Minister to their families. Minister life and health and strength. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you that your word says that when we ask in your name we've already received it thank you that you've already done it in Jesus name amen amen god bless you guys um